Hey guys, it's JL here again, and I just want to introduce you to my next conversation with a friend of mine that I have known now for the past about probably two, two and a half years. Um, I might be wrong, but it's definitely two years or somewhere about there. Now, his name's Craig, and I have the very, very privilege of sitting down with him and talking to him about Jesus, um, but also his testimony. So, you might be coming in here in episode one, two, or three of this conversation. It's a two-part conversation. We sat down for like two hours uh, plus to just chat Jesus. Um, so, I got the privilege of hearing his testimony. So, I want to encourage you to enjoy to share this and um, maybe you can let me know uh, i think i've got some way of you contacting me in there where you can just like <clears throat> let me know what have been has there been um, any sort of misconceptions that you carried or are still carrying about jesus something that you're not quite sure about about jesus that um, you're still trying to figure out Hey, this was an enlightening conversation. It was a really good conversation. I'm, I'm seeming to be having more and more and more and more of these conversations. So Craig is going to be coming back on. Again, we're going to be talking about things to do with the gospel, things to do with the Bible. But for now, enjoy this three-part conversation. Wherever you are at and coming in for this conversation, just want to encourage you, if you are right in the middle, go back and listen to it. If you're right at the beginning, great. There's another two episodes to fairly quite long that should be able to cover quite a lot apart from that if you have any questions if you have any kind of things that you would like to reach out to me for let me know i'm excited to um, bring this to you and um yeah hopefully you enjoy it and so i guess niceness in a way, like leads us to tolerate certain things that... Absolutely. If Jesus was sitting here, you know, walking with every single believer, instructing them, reminding them of the things that he said, I think we might have a different worldview. We might live Absolutely. life that is so different. Absolutely. But we live like that as if Jesus is actually not walking with us. Mm. We live like that, like he did die 2,000 years gone. ago. And he's gone. And, and now we just have the word of God, the Bible, which the word of God is Jesus. So, mm. Mm. <laughs> like, let's be real here. You have him right here. Every day. <laughs> He's right Every here. Day. And Ash was actually telling me, um, my wife Ashley, for those listening at home, um, Ash was telling me that um, there is these studies that people have done that if the first thing you pick up in the morning is your phone mm. and the last thing you look at before you go to sleep is your phone, then you end up having a much shorter attention span because you want to quickly flick through. You're wanting to information, wow. information, 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 infotainment especially. Um, or if you're using your phone multiple times throughout the day when you could be reading a book or doing something like that, you lose attention span yeah. and you lose what's going on chemically in your brain when you are reading. Mm. Um, and it kind of struck home a bit. Um, uh, because it was like, okay, well, I do do that. I'm guilty as charged, 100%. Um, and I might kind of fob it off as like, oh, but I'm watching Christian media mm. or I'm, mm. or I'm uh, making sure I haven't missed anything on Facebook or I'm checking my emails or whatever. And it's like those things aren't actually important. 
what's important is knowing who Jesus is. And the only reason, that, the only way we can know who Jesus is, apart from special revelation and all of that sort of stuff, is by reading the Word. Yeah. And the same God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament, so you have to read the whole Bible. And a brilliant part of Bibles, which seems to be a new thing that people are being taught, and I, I've known this for a little while, is there's a little margin in the middle of most Bibles which have these little reference notes, yeah. which yeah. have other verses that say the same thing. Yeah. And uh, if I'm... Somebody correct me later if I'm wrong, but I'm 90% sure there's like 80,000 references between the New Testament and the Old. Wow. 80,000. That's a lot. And if you think about that, that's almost every word. <laughs> almost everything that anybody says in the New <laughs> Testament can be referenced in the, Old, the Testament. Old Testament. And even if it's an interreference between New Testament and New Testament, if you keep chasing it back, you will find Correct. the Old Testament Straight reference. Away. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I'm like, if we followed those trails say if we're reading galatians or colossians and we're, we're reading about these churches which are struggling and we're finding it really relevant and we're going oh man this is great mm. like if only this was in the old testament it would make things more interesting chase the trail man you'll find it like 90 percent of what jesus said was yeah. referencing scripture yeah. And, you know, obviously for the time, that was perfect for what he needed to do because he was talking to Sadducees, Pharisees, Jews, like yeah. all of these people who knew Scripture yeah. and knew Mosaic Law, knew the Pentateuch, knew the Prophets, knew Proverbs, Psalms, Sol Solomon even, like mm. all of these things, they knew that. And I think something we forget as Christians is we don't have the cultural heritage of Jews. And we don't learn by the age of 12 the Pentateuch front to back. And we don't learn Mishnah. And we don't learn Talmud. And we don't learn all of these things that really benefit Judaism. Mm. You know? And, you know, we go to Sunday school and we learn about who Jesus is and stuff like that. Mm. And I had this thought once, which probably a wrong one, but um, that's okay. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. Um, that Sunday school realistically should just be Old Testament. Right. And if you were to teach children only Old Testament, mm. they might grow up with a fear of God. And then by the time you get to New Testament and they hit church and people start talking about Jesus, you might actually foster correct faith and correct belief. Right. In the sense of we've had all this Old Testament and now we're hearing about Jesus. So the gospel sounds fresh when they hit 12 years old or 13 or 14 or 15 or 16. You know, it sounds you, fresh. Do you mean to say that Jesus, if you get Jesus without the old, the history that he comes with, the law, that it's out of context? Or it would be underappreciated or misunderstood? I think out of context is actually fairly accurate to what I'm saying. Because that's how we find him. I mean, I didn't grow up in a Jewish um, mm. community. Mm. Um, I doubt you did. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Even with a heavy ministry-based family and a grandfather who was a right, pastor. Right, right. You know? And so the way of life as we know, I mean, I, I was born in a different country altogether, but mm. um, the way of life as I knew it, as you know it, is not necessarily... Um, like we don't have the cultural structure that yeah. the Jewish 
yeah. community had. Um, so we get Jesus out of context yeah. to start with. Absolutely. Anyway. And that, that sentence there, the Jesus out of context, is the Western Jesus. Yeah. It's the Jesus that we know as the nice Jesus, nice. as well, the, nice. the white guy who has flowing brown hair and all of this sort of stuff. Like, and he's he, very therapeutic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's super therapeutic. So you can add Jesus to your life now for the low, low price of nothing, and you can be better as a person. That's not what the gospel is for. That is not the purpose of Scripture. That's not the purpose of the Bible. Yeah. And it's definitely... We know that is not the purpose of Jesus. Definitely not. He's not meant to be therapeutic. Yeah. Um, he, he's almost sold. That's heretical. So bad. Forgive me, Lord. Well, uh, to be fair, we are talking about the concept. We're not <laughs> adhering to this principle. Oh, man. But you're exactly it right. It just he, feels so dirty. I know. Together with his name. Um, but he... He's presented like that in a way where it, you you get to think about your life mm. in a better way because yep. of the reality of who Jesus is and yep. your poor in spirit. Yep. So Jesus is here to make your life better. Absolutely. Oh, you, you, you're mourning. And, oh, Absolutely. have and I got something for you? <laughs> man, I think like... Um, one of my one of my favourite, what used to be one of my favourite bands. I haven't actually listened to them in probably a couple of years now, but it was a band called Skillet, a mm. big US Christian massive, band, yeah. very Christ forward as well. I was very happy with that, but they said something in one of their live albums um, that you don't have to change anything to come to him, um, to Jesus, mm. and it strikes me now as somebody who's a little bit more mature in my faith and who understands a few more things than maybe your average bear. Um, and not saying that I know everything, but I, I've got some study behind me. I have the, the heritage of my grandfather and his father as well, um, who wrote books on, on this sort of stuff. Mm. And, and, you know, I've come to the understanding that I have had to change everything to come to him. It is not that I have had to change nothing. It's not that you don't change anything and he comes to you because that's the Western idea of Jesus. You change everything and you conform to his will because that's how you become better. That's how you become a true, true follower of Christ. And if you, if you look at all the Bible stories, that's exactly what everybody did. You know, Abraham, before he met God, was in... Um, oh, I can't remember the place... No, the land uh, of the Chaldeans. Yeah, the land of the Chaldeans, but he's also the the place that he is from. Mm. Translates. Um, my my Hebrew lecturer used to tell me this. It translates to poo and anger. That's the place that he wow. came from. And then he <clears throat> meets God, and then later on in the story, he's renamed as from Abraham to Abraham, and then he fathers Israel and. He's a friend of God and all yeah. of this. He's yeah. changed everything. Yeah. And yeah. he's come from this place of poo and anger. Yeah. And somebody correct me again if that's wrong, but that's how I heard it from my Hebrew lecturer and that's how I'm going to keep going. Yep. <laughs> but even Saul to Paul, you know, yeah. Cephas to Peter, you know, you have all of this continuity of like 
these people didn't stay the same person. Yeah. They changed everything. Fisherman to disciple, um, tent maker to disciple. It's it's not yeah. it's not you get to stay in your place, mm. and you get to stay with all of your comfort of life and you get to stay with all of the benefits of a, a solid job and you might be this super skilled tradesman you might be the best fisherman in galilee yeah but you've been called by christ so you become a disciple, become a disciple yeah. you drop everything yeah and you might still use those skills you know mm. but mm. you are now a disciple yeah and i, I just think that now that i am older you know, now that I've had all of these faith redefining moments, all of these bits and pieces where, like, you know, going from being a stupid kid, and not like stupid in the sense of smarts, but stupid in the sense of the things that I do yeah. have changed. Mm. And one of my favorite, two of my favorite parts in the Bible is when I was a child, I did as a child, and yeah. now I'm a man, I do as a man. Yeah. And going from milk to meat, right. those are my two like super favorite things because it's like you have to take those concepts literally. Yeah. You have to go from baby gets milk, man has meat. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're a vegan, I apologize, but you know that's <laughs> technically. <to> meat. <laughs> if you look at Genesis, there is a case to say veganism is not Christian way of living. But we'll get into that some other time. <laughs> um, yes, anyway. So, but Who can we offend next? <laughs> I know, right? Um, but you have to take this concept of change seriously. And, you know, one of my, I know you know this, but one of my major gripes is the blind leading the blind in youth groups mm -hmm. and people who do not understand what they believe, let alone why they believe it, yeah. leading children into faith mm. and false faith that fails them and then they leave the church anyway. So what have you done? All you've done is create a poor reputation for Jesus. Mm. Not even the church. You've created a poor reputation yeah. for your personal saviour. Yeah. And that, again, like my, my heart is to teach young adults that the faith you once had mm. now needs to change. Yeah. What you do in youth group and, and what you present to younger kids, you need a deeper understanding of. Mm. What you used to like at youth rallies where you used to get these warm, fuzzy feelings and you felt that was the Holy Spirit and you're like, you got all excited and then you fell in the spirit maybe. Like, that's cool. That's okay. But you now need a deeper understanding yeah, of that. Deeper. Right. And you now need to move your faith. You now need to move your faith. Jesus will do some of the work. Jesus will help you along the way. His Holy Spirit will show you stuff. He will reveal stuff. Mm. But you need to move from milk to meat. Yeah. And the things that you once did will not have the same effect. It is the law of diminishing returns. And if we look at our lives with this idea, we will continually be on the process of sanctification right the way through to the point where we die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention, uh, it's probably my second, so if we move all of my faith redefining moments over one, yeah. uh, one of my second moments was um, when I was in youth ministry back at Hillside, we had this kid, um, Josiah, who he passed away at mm. 16. Yeah. Um, same thing my granddad died of, brain tumour. Mm. And um, again, it was a defining moment of how I look at healing. 
um, and how I understand laying of hands and, and what we pray and why words have such power. Yeah. Um, because he was healed. He was a Christian. He testified that right the way until he died. Yeah. And he's now with Jesus, I believe. Yeah. So because of that, like that that's a massive amount to try and take on in a youth group. Mm-hmm. You've got a youth group of 50 kids and you've suddenly dropped to 20 because 30 of them will straight up be like, no, nah, this is crap. This is crap, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't work. doesn't work. We prayed for him deep. for healing. He didn't, he didn't get healed. Therefore, there's my evidence. Exactly. Of the reality of God. So but now, Jesus is not healing. Yes. <laughs> like That's it. He heals. That's it. And, and there's some but things... healing is not Jesus. Yeah, and, and there's some things which he will heal. And there's, you know, people who... Bad knees, bad back, you know... He can heal those things mm. if it's within his will and within his eternal plan. Mm. If it's not, you need to be okay with that. Mm. And if you're praying for a terminal cancer patient, for them to be healed and they know Jesus, you've got to be real careful. Yeah. You've got to protect your heart because your idea of what healing is is not God's idea of what healing is. Because mm. yeah. the eternal goal is to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not saying this and limiting God's power. He can do what he wants. And he can birth miracles out of nothing Mm. because that's who God is. But when you come to healing, you need to understand that you might be on the wrong track. Your perspective might be out of whack. Yeah. Especially if it's something terminal. Yeah. So and, and we got to hold it very loosely in the hand of God. So loosely. And actually have a real understanding that Jesus is so sovereign. Mm. Um, and, and that's part of, I guess, part of the reality of how misunderstood Jesus is, is that we take it as, especially, you know, if it's close to home um, or we've got so much hope yep. in the result rather than Jesus, yeah. Is, is that we, we feel disappointed. We, yeah. we very quickly fall into a space where our steps, our steps take, take us in a space where we start to create God in our image. And so if that God doesn't do what we're praying fervently for, yeah. um, how we want it, yeah. it, it messes us up. Yeah. And, and that, more often than not, is actually for a lot of people at the crux like yeah. it just completely derails absolutely um, their faith in it's it's surprising to me how many people believe in the sort of prosperity gospel sort of mm. faith where if somebody wasn't healed you just didn't pray hard enough mm. if you didn't get the thing you wanted you just didn't pray hard enough and it comes back to a human failure mm. not a god's plan and it sounds like a cop-out, and, and I know it feels like a cop-out when people say this to people, that it mustn't have been God's plan, or it's all part of God's plan. That is a total cop-out in some scenarios, and when you're counselling somebody, don't say that. Please that's, don't say that's that. That's like the worst thing you could say, that oh, it's just all part of God's plan, yeah. because they'll just turn out on you, and, and they will either rip you to shreds, yeah. because you've just said something extremely offensive to them, or they will just lose faith altogether. Yeah. Because if this is the God that takes people away from me in this life 
and I don't have an understanding of what this life means, mm -hmm. I'm just going to walk out on him because yeah. I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. And then if they walk out and they lose that faith and they walk into an atheist perspective of the world, it doesn't matter if people die yeah. because yeah. it's like yeah, a, a God, a vehement, ugly, destructive God is not taking people from me yeah. versus this loving God that we preach. Yeah. So, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It's just healing is a massive bugbear of mine. So touchy. <laughs> so touchy. Mm. Um, I liked what you were alluding to and talking about with the shift from Abram to Abraham, Saul to Paul, that kind of thing. And I guess um, part of part of what is misunderstood about Jesus in our way of diminishing mm. him to something of someone that we can control to a certain level is that um, we um, I don't know if I see as much impact on people's lives as is so clearly shown in the Bible like if if Jesus who is who was there at the beginning of the world and <laughs> creation yeah. Yeah, born of a virgin, like yeah. how ridiculously stupid, absolutely, <laughs> and messing with people's mind is that that if that person comes, in, in, a, in a, and I somehow by the revelation of the Holy Spirit come to meet him and be and have a revelation of who he is, that I can walk out of that encounter mm. the same. Mm. Um, some things change. And not just once. And like you said, you know, it's not just like a heart. Oh, here's an initial one. Like there is a forward movement that it, it just mm. compels us and propels us to want to get deeper. Um, so I don't quite see that. And I don't quite see that, you know, maybe it's because we have a out of context Jesus. But I don't quite see the change. Mm. There is a change and it's evident. It's mm. clearly there and it's talked about. Um, do you see it? Mm. That's it. Um, in myself, I see it. Mm. In, in those around me who um, I have walked with long enough, I see it. Um, but I think one of the reasons why we don't see it sometimes is because these are lifetime long changes. Um, and I... I always compare this to, you know, my best mate, Sebastian. Um, we've been mates for 22 years now. Yeah. So we met when we were five and we've been mates ever since. Mm -hmm. um, his mum, Dr. Tanya Watson, is a doctor of theology and ministry and she's a very smart, very intellectual lady. And he's not walking with the Lord. Mm. And back when we were younger, I would have said that he was more Christian than I was. Because he didn't swear, he didn't, you know, um, he didn't think about doing some of the stupid things that I did when I was a kid. Um, he wasn't introduced to pornography when he was 12. Mm. He didn't have to struggle with that for yeah. nigh on 10 years and then mm. fix that. Yeah. Um, you know, and yet he decided at 18 that he would walk away. Mm. And I decided at 18 that I would stay even with all the stuff that I had yeah. done, said, was doing, you know, and 
we still catch up to this day. He's still my best mate because we've known each other for so long. But you can see this massive why where we've gone two completely different paths. And these lifelong changes, it's like, uh, um, it's like a parabola. You know, if you look at a parabola or like an exponential curve, mm. you have this very, very slight, to begin with, this super slight, super, super slight change. And then it curves up suddenly in, in these big troughs. Mm. And every point along that curve is a faith redefining moment for me. Yeah. And then as I get further and further along in life, the curve just gets higher and higher and higher. And the change is less, the change is more slight, but I'm still changing. Yes. And my faith is still changing. Yes. And it's the same on the opposite end of the scale. Yeah. The amazing part is that when these people come to Christ, which I still believe that at some point he will finally listen to me and he will come to Christ. I, I believe. <laughs> awesome. Um, but... The amazing part of Jesus is he takes this curve and a lot of the times he'll catch us just before we tip down yeah. and he will put us back on track and tip us towards him. Mm. And some people end up with this jagged saw-like curve where we tip down, tip up, tip down, tip up. But then at some point along the line, you tip one way. Yeah. Um, there's a very scary passage in the Bible that says that there is a particular point where the Lord will give you over to your sin. Mm, yeah, and that is a super scary thing so scary. because if you have hidden sin in your life and you're a pastor for example and you just have never dealt with this because it's never affected you publicly yeah. and then one day it does and you fall and you fall super hard and you just go mm -hmm. you will drop off the edge of the earth like it's yeah. it's a massive thing um, and I also believe the opposite, yeah. that if we decide to dedicate our lives to Christ and we decide to change every little thing from start to finish, the whole person, the whole entire concept of who Craig Newton is as mm. a person changes into a disciple of Christ, yeah. you flip the other way and you go straight yeah. up. Um, so, yeah, like I think, yeah, that whole Cephas, Peter, the, the Abraham to Abraham. One of the things that you'll find funny, well, you might find funny, is um, when you look at Old Testament, mm. Abraham to Abraham, right? He never goes back to being Abraham. Yeah. He's never referred to as Abraham nope. before, right? Like after that point in time. Um, what I find extremely funny is when we start talking in New Testament terms, Paul, especially in Galatians, has this confrontation with Cephas, who um, he was known as Cephas, and his name was changed, right? Mm. Um, and then when he gets into Galatians again, he is referring to pre-Jesus Cephas when he uses the name Cephas. Mm. And <laughs> I find it funny because I look at it and go, oh, wow, that's like... That's the worst thing you could call him. <laughs> you could, you, you're, saying, you're saying to Peter, like, you are not Peter anymore. Mm. You've fallen into your mm. old life, old so ways. I'm going to call you Cephas. Yeah. That's how little I think of you right now. Wow. And, man, I think of, like, my life, and if I was to suddenly fall off the deep end and, and just, like, just reject God, 
like, what would people call me? It wouldn't be Craig. Yeah, it would be like that dude who used to be Craig. Yeah. Like, you're not you anymore. Yeah. That yeah. sentence yeah. rings true for so many things that in the Western world we go like, oh, if somebody has fallen into alcohol abuse, you're not you anymore. Mm. If somebody has fallen into drug abuse, you're not you anymore. But when we think about in terms of the word, when we come to church, we don't say, you're not you anymore. Mm. We go, you're the same person you were. Yeah. And you've just added Jesus to it. Yeah. It's such a different concept to think about. It's so sad. To... And you've got to think about it in terms of you are not you anymore. You are free from your old self. Yeah. And you need to get the nail gun out and nail your old self back to the cross every now and then because you will slip, you will That's fall, right. you will tumble. That's, right. That's how life works. Yeah. Every now and then the devil will throw you a curveball that you were not expecting. expecting yeah. You know? Yeah. I think um, I mentioned earlier that um, I, uh, I was introduced to porn at 12. Um, and it took me exactly 12 years to address that and fix it. Yeah. I was 24 and I had to address and fix it. Mm. And that's only three years ago. Yeah. And I know and I'm ever presently aware of the fact that that old dog will come back to bite at some point. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, I'm waiting for it in. to be there. Yeah. And... We forget as Christians that if you are a recovered alcoholic and you come to Christ, you're ever presently aware of alcohol. And if you are a drug addict and you are a reformed drug addict and you come to Christ, you are ever presently aware mm -hmm. of that temptation. Yeah. But then we look at things like pornography or food abuse or you know um, anorexia or any other thing like people can be addicted to bullying other people that's mm -hmm. a thing that yep, can happen it is. you know and we don't look at those things as harshly as we do alcohol and drugs because alcohol and drugs are mind altering in inverted commas for those at home you know but these other things you know pornography bullying um a substance abuse in terms of food whether you're eating or not eating those Agreed. are mind altering things yeah. and we forget about them. Yeah. We just assume that because it's not alcohol or drugs, you don't need to worry about the it. The extremes mm. of and how they impact our relationships is a, is a lot more extreme Absolutely. than greed, for example. Well, like... I would argue that it's, <laughs> it's just as extreme. Uh, you know. If you are a greedy person, like if you are a truly greedy person and you are addicted to greed whether it's food or otherwise, say with food, right? Mm. As a larger kid, I, I was pretty greedy when I was a kid. Mm. You know, as, as a guy who is working on his weight, I am no longer that greedy. Mm. <laughs> and I'm working on it, mm. you know. But you start to, the greed seeps into the rest of your life. Mm. Whether it's, you know, with, um, I think a, a good example to use is gaming, funnily enough. Yeah. Computer games. Well, if you are greedy and you play computer games, you will cheat. Bad combination. You will cheat in every single thing you do. You will find the quickest and the easiest way to yeah. do stuff, and that's usually through cheats. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're yeah. playing online, you will get frustrated. You will get furious. You will rage at the computer mm -hmm. because you aren't getting your you're greedy right. satisfaction. Yeah. And so you'll spend thousands. <laughs> yep. You'll spend thousands. 
on the best computers, the yeah. best gear, the best stuff. And then you'll go, oh, oh that's not good enough. So you'll spend thousands more or you'll start cheating online and you'll start letting that greed seep into everything else of your life. And if you let your greed seep into your love life, your marriage, then you start looking at other women greedily and lustfully and you start looking at other people's cars and other people's property greedily and going, oh, I want that yeah. or I want yeah. to get that, you know. And greed is just one example here. But if... It doesn't matter. One, one sin is one just thing. a doorway to, yeah. and, and to I mean, the others. The, and we just have this way of... Like we've we've come to accept certain ones. Mm. I mean, greed. I would say, is rewarded. Mm. I mean, you're not going to reward um, something like drug abuse. Mm. Like, like what gain do you get out of that? But with greed, oh man, you can make businesses out of that. Oh, Absolutely, wait, we have casinos <laughs> yeah. to do that. We have insane. Like the 14 year old won a 13 year old something won the Fortnite World event. I'm like, he got given millions of dollars yeah that's an online game for those of you who don't know i'm like oh my gosh yeah absolutely he would have spent hours yeah of well, his childhood gone like that well yeah and any time after that you will not be able to convince him that he should do anything mm. he's not going to go to school he's not going to go to college he's not going to get a degree he will spend the money and when the money runs out he'll just win another competition and get more money. <laughs> like, and again, I think, especially with greed, greed's an easy one to measure, I guess, because you end up, that law of diminishing returns that I spoke about earlier is, it, it's never enough, and it's mm. never enough, and mm. it's never enough. Mm. And that's an exp exponential curve as well. It's never enough, it's never yeah. enough. Just a little more, just a little more, just a little more, just a little more. And I think in terms of... Um, uh, like audio and gigs and stuff like that a lot because that's most of my life at the mm. moment and I expect that to change at some point but we'll get there um, but in terms of greediness like if you ever want to see a human study on greediness come to a festival right come Why? to a music festival and see how much greed will get you because you have artists who um, not so much in Perth because Perth is quite sheltered um, but you have artists, especially in America, and they will, you know, if they're not getting the right response out of the crowd, they will walk off stage. And I've if, heard rumours. And if they're not getting the right response from the crowd, they'll perform not as well because they're like, oh, this isn't enough for me. Um, and then you have the patrons themselves who rock up and they will get indignant at you. As, as a volunteer who has been to those festivals to take care of people, they will get indignant at you if you do not allow them to have an extra cup of water when they could have that cup and refill it. Like they have a cup in their hand and they go to take another one. And it's like, oh man, I'll refill your normal one. He's like, no, but I want, a, I want another cup. I was like, yeah, I'm going to refill it. You will get another cup. It's water. It's free. I will give it to you. you but they want to take another plastic cup. And it's like, man, I've got a limited supply, you know. Oh, my gosh. And people get indignant at you for the stupidest things. Like, road rage is another one. Like, if oh, you're driving God. on the road, I drive trucks for work. Like, you do not want to get in front of me and I have a full load. Yeah. You, you will become a pancake. <laughs> like, you know. But they decide to cut you off in a truck because their time is, is worth more than yours because they are greedy and they speed or they mm. 
you know, do stupid things in traffic just because their time is worth more than yours. Mm. They will honk you if you yeah. need to stop for something yeah. because they can't see around your truck. They'll honk you and you'll be like, there's something in front of me that is stopping me from moving. Surely your little human brain could figure that out. But you still decide to honk me. Craig, people listening probably would go, okay, you're just making everything into a sin. You're just <laughs> sure. making everything into Absolutely. a systematic thing. But... I don't think Jesus would disagree because he sees the core. And this is where I think like, you know, arguments like that would be like, oh, you're just turning everything into a sin. People can't live their lives, you know, leave me alone <laughs> kind of thing. But, but Jesus wouldn't disagree in, in actually mm. showing us that our hearts are so far off the mark yep. that we need a radical like yep. a radical gospel. We don't need a nice Jesus. Yep. We need a Jesus who's going to come and actually take control of things. Yeah, absolutely. And go, we're on the opposite way. Absolutely. And I think, like, for those who are Christians at home, and, and, and even for atheists, if, if you want to do this, or if you have anybody who's listening who's on the edge, like, the best thing you can do is find somebody who knows why they believe what they believe yeah. and ask them questions yeah. and let them talk about it and actually be humble and swallow your pride and listen to what they have to say. Mm. Um, I, I did this back at Red Door actually with a guy by the name of Michael Dean Smith who is fantastic. His, his, his brain just works on a whole nother level than mine. And we did this course which was based on Pilgrim Theology by Dr. Michael Horton. Mm. Um, and it is a, like straight up, it's a systematic reformist theology. So we did 20 weeks yeah. on the 20 core doctrines of the Christian faith. And by the end of that course, I could tell you why I believe what I believe in every single doctrine. Wow. And that for me, all I did was say yes to go to the course and yes to letting Michael talk. Mm. And it was three hours every Thursday night for 20 weeks. And it was brilliant. I, I just listened to a guy who knew his stuff mm. and knew why he believed what he believed. And he was able to communicate that effectively. And Michael will tell you, he's, he sometimes doesn't think he is the best communicator. Um, but his, his testimony radically changed him. And, you know, he went from being a session drummer for some of the biggest bands in the world to he's now a um, theology student at Trinity okay, and he goes to the yeah. Westminster Presbyterian Church around yeah, the corner here and yeah. he's studying theology. And you're like, that is a radical change. Is, <laughs> like, drummers not, don't not suddenly become day. theologians, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, yeah, not um, and I think the same for me. Like I was a young, dumb kid who earned way too much money at 18 years old. And now I am a less dumb, still kind of young, though my wife would call me a grandpa now. Um, you know, <laughs> she did. It was really fun. Um, for those listening, I turned 27 like two weeks ago and she gave me a card that said, happy birthday, grandpa. Um, but that's beside the point. <laughs> and a knee brace, by the way. She gave me a knee brace as well. Um, <laughs> But beside the point, like, I, I still consider myself um, far changed, far and away mm. different to what I used to be. Mm. And, you know, my, my non-Christian mates who I, I, yes, I have non-Christian mates, they will tell you 
I am far and away different from who I am, right. and it's because of who Jesus is. Right. And not just who Jesus is, but I know why I think Jesus is that way. Yeah. And why I believe what I believe. Yeah. And, and why I can choose to believe the Bible, and I know that I have a solid foundation here, and there's mm. nothing that can shake my faith in it. Yeah. Because I know who Jesus is. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's the encouragement. Everybody listening, find someone. Talk to them about Jesus. Yeah, find somebody who knows their onions. All right. I know what I want to talk about next week. Not week. Sure. <laughs> next time. Next whatever. week, why not? <laughs> um, I want to talk about the gospel because uh, that's probably kind of the next most misunderstood thing. Um, and just the fact that it's, it's not a nice Jesus. And if we look at Jesus as Lord... <laughs> Woo! As a Lord, that changes how we look at the gospel. Yeah. And what is the gospel, right? Mm. Oh, um, why is it good news? So I'd love to chat about that. Um, and what I what I'm finding is that there's it's not just you and me. There's a lot of people who are going through and asking the questions, the meat questions, um, and no longer just wanting to go in through their like you said, like you had to move away from your grandfather's and father's understanding and belief. Like that's there mm. and that's theirs. Yeah. And so you have to go from yeah. the milk, which was so nourishing, so good for you. Yeah. Go deeper. Yeah. I mean, so. it, it might be formative, but it won't work 30 years after oh, sure. when you first had it. If you're still you know. breastfeeding when you're 30, look, get help. Milk, milk goes off after a while. Like, that's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I look forward to it. Um, and, yeah, in terms of moving people from milk to meat as well, um, there's probably a conversation in that as to how, um, and this might just be my opinion, but how the church has actually failed in moving people on um, because it's actually the church's job to do this. To take people from milk to meat and then send them out into the world as proper disciples of Christ. I hope you enjoyed that. That was my conversation with Craig and. Um, whether this is the first episode that you're listening to, the second or the third, wherever you're at, again, I want to encourage you, share them. Um, let me know if there's anything that you agreed, disagreed with, something that made you think a little bit more. Whatever that is, um, I want to encourage you, just let me know. But apart from that, I look forward to hearing you, hearing from you or getting back to you in the next episode. I also want to encourage you, before this conversation with Craig actually drops, there is an extra... Um, then extra episode something that I've called something like the revolution has begun that's actually from an Assassin's Creed game <laughs> like just a saying um, for when you're recruiting people um, but I thought it would just be appropriate given what um, God and God is doing right now in the life of the church and in the life of his believers so, the revolution has begun. We encourage you to go and listen to it. Let it encourage you. Let it challenge you. And um, let me know what your thoughts are. If you find it helpful, share it as well.